But it's, it's been an exciting time for me personally going through communion because I think my experience, Joe set it up last week by saying um, communion is more than just a memorial. It's much more than that. And we can encounter Jesus through the Holy Spirit when we take communion. And, and that's really exciting because I have been part of a church like Grace Church for all my Christian life. So when I was 24, I became a Christian got saved into a church similar to this, and this is all I've ever known. And so we did communion in a way which wasn't, I think, needed a little, needs a little bit more looking at. So that's what we've been doing um, for the last week, and we're going to do today. So I'm going to get straight into it and uh, read from the Bible. And it's 1 Corinthians 11. If you do have a Bible, it's, I'd say... Bring one with you. It's always worth bringing a Bible with you if you've got one. And if you haven't, let us know and we'll, we'll get you one. Because as the, we're talking, as I'm talking, you can check it out with the scriptures that are in front of you rather than popping up and back and forth on the screen. But anyway, let me read. It will come up on the screen. 1 Corinthians 11, verses 17 to 34. It reads this. In the following directives... I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent, I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. For when you are eating, some of you go ahead with your own private suppers. As a result, one person remains hungry and another gets drunk. Don't you have homes to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God by humiliating those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you? Certainly not in this matter. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So then whoever eats the the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and ill, and a number of you have fallen asleep. But if we were more discerning with regard to ourselves, we would not come under such judgment. Nevertheless, when we are judged in this way by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be finally condemned with the world. So then, my brothers and sisters, when you gather to eat, you should all eat together. Anyone who is hungry should eat something at home, so that when you meet together, it may not result in judgment. And there's the outline for, for communion. And Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, who are clearly getting... Well, they got a lot of things wrong, to be honest, but they're clearly getting communion wrong. I mean, imagine that said over the church that you as a part of you're doing more harm than good. It's quite a statement. There's division in the church. 
They treat people badly. There's drunkenness. There's humiliation. The rich, that side, please. There's better seats. The poor over there, that type of attitude. And Paul reminds them of what Jesus said and how Jesus ordained this incredibly special moment as the family of God, as the church. And when you read those scriptures, you just get the impression this is not to be done lightly, but with a sense of awe, a sense of we're in the presence of God, ordained by Jesus. And this church at Corinth were getting it so wrong that some of them became ill and some of them even died. They're not verses we have written, you know, some people have a tattoo on their arm, Galatians, da-da-da. Not many have got this verse tattooed on their body or as a fridge magnet. It's in the Bible. This is God's word. And as we'll see in the next 30 minutes or so, there is so much more, so much more of the blessings of God as we celebrate communion together. But I just want to encourage us, even now as we're listening to what God says, what the Bible says, is as we come to communion, we don't come at it in a casual manner, in a flippant way. This is an awesome moment before God. We mustn't think of this as just another little thing we do and, you know, God's not really interested. This is a little add-on. Celebrating communion is a big deal in the Bible. And across this room, as I just gave you a very brief outline of mine, my story of communion was, was, it was less and less in the church, the gathered church. And it, and it was slightly awkward sometimes, but it certainly wasn't a celebration the way it probably should be. But we come from different backgrounds. But what we can be certain of is this really matters. So I'm glad that we're looking at this subject. We're looking at communion because I'm personally speaking, I know that I haven't enjoyed communion and received all that God has got for me at the communion table. Probably as the most part, I've celebrated communion as a looking back, a memorial that what Jesus did. But there's so much more. And so today we're going to look at the wider implications and benefits that communion has for us as it says in Scripture. And Acts 2.42 says this. You'll probably know this one. It says of the believers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So we can see just from this one verse, the breaking of bread, having communion, is a big deal. And so what is communion? So there's, there's eight things I'm going to go through. So it just gives you a bit of an idea how far in we are at each different point. But the first one is it, it is remembrance. Do this in remembrance of me. And it's interesting, when Jesus instituted this with the disciples, it was as they celebrated the Passover meal. They were looking back to the covenant God had made with God's people, a remembering. The only remembrance moment... I can think of is Remembrance Sunday in November every year, where we consider those who've laid down their lives for, for freedom, for us, who've laid down their lives in, in conflict. And obviously, this is a good thing. But in, when Jesus was sharing, saying, do this in remembrance of me with his disciples, he was saying, he's doing something completely different. 
He's saying it's not about the past now, it's about me. And this is what he did. God's promise to redeem his people from bondage, slavery and oppression by the blood of the Lamb painted on the lintels and the doorposts. That's what they were celebrating in the Passover, what God did in in the Exodus story. God delivered them. And Jesus is the fulfilment of this. He's bringing us out of that greater slavery. Jesus becomes our Passover. And as John the Baptist said in, in, in one, John 1.29, it says, The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus is saying to his disciples, Do this in remembrance of me. We're reminding ourselves of what Jesus has done, that his commitment to us, his covenant with us, and his sacrifice. And we're grounding ourselves in the finished work of Christ, his body and blood given for us. The debt he paid on my behalf and your behalf. And the early church were devoted to this. Remembrance can be done more often. I don't know what it's like in your household or in the life group that you're a part of or when you gather as friends in those sort of contexts. How often you might think, let's take communion together. More than just on a Sunday. We do it once a month at the moment and we're going to push into doing it fortnightly for up until Easter and see, see where we land with it at that point. But it's a good... T- I was speaking to someone this week about communion and he said to me, He said, I like to take communion with my friends and wider friends. He said, because when we take communion, that cuts out all the gossip. It's quite an interesting point. When we take communion, we're we're in the presence of God. And this remembrance, remembering what Jesus has done, it enables us and opens a door to experience more of him. Communion is about remembering, but it's about so much more. So as we celebrate communion, we're celebrating our communion with Christ. And this is communion with Christ, obviously by that phrase, is this is for believers, if you know Jesus. And we're celebrating as we take communion, our oneness with Jesus, our life in common with Christ, our unity in Christ and to Christ. Another way of putting it is, would be our participation in Jesus. 1 Corinthians 10.16 says this, Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we, give, which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ? As we take the bread and the wine, we are enacting our participation in Christ. It's an opportunity to express that joy that we are in Christ. Revelation 3.20 is a verse you might well know. It says this, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. And most times this verse is used towards unbelievers on Alpha Course or something like that. But really it's aiming at the, the believer and the church, it's a picture of a meal to enjoy with him. We're participating in being joined to Christ. Jesus wants that intimacy with us, and it's demonstrated through the meal of communion. Communion is this 
wonderful, glorious fellowship with God. And as I take the bread and wine, as you and I take the bread and wine, there's this physical participation that the power of God does through the Holy Spirit when we take this. It's quite hard to explain how that happens, but when we come and take communion, we can expect to, to really enter into the presence of God. I belong to Christ. I'm a part of Christ. His sufferings, but the joys to come. He comes to us, but he invites us in. Matthew 11 28 to 30 says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And as we partake, we enjoy the benefits he gives to us. As we come to him in the context of communion, we encounter Jesus. We come with our troubles, we come with our exhaustion, we come with the things that challenge us and we encounter Jesus who brings nourishment and strength to our souls. And thirdly, communion expresses our communion with one another. As we take communion, we're expressing that unity, our communion one with another. 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17 says, It's not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ. Is it not the bread that we break a partition in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf. We who are many are one body. We all share of the one loaf. We are one because we share in this loaf. There is a uniting moment when we take communion. And generally, eating with others brings unity. Think of the times when you've shared a meal with family and friends and, and, and church family. It brings unity. Have you ever had a meal with someone or in a crowd of people or been to that awkward sort of party size where there's about 15 to 20 people and you know there's someone who you have a few issues with? The tension, it's... It's palpable sometimes, isn't it? And you really want to put that right, perhaps. But, but when it's done well, when we eat together, there's unity. We share one loaf and, and we have this, this one cup. And it's a physical demonstration of our communion with one another. And this is what it looks like. And, you know, COVID... And all that sort of stuff, we, and other, other reasons as well, we, we have the bread and the wine, the juice on the tables, and we come and take it so that we don't get sick. But what it really looks like is we have a loaf, maybe a lot bigger than this for this crowd of people, but there's a, there's a breaking of this loaf and a sharing one to another because we're the body of Christ. His body given for us. And the same with the, like there's a big healthy glass there of juice it does look like wine but it is just juice and there's this sense of we're uniting over this meal this one loaf and this one cup of course there are practicalities why we don't do it like this at this moment in time but I do long for the day when there's this sense of I want to share this the way that the way that Jesus did it breaking this bread and sharing the cup
I think it's helpful to see this loaf and one cup because it demonstrates as we participate our communion one with another. And unity is absolutely vital. And it was uh, prayed by Ian earlier that, that, that in John 17 that they may be one. There's a real sense that, there's a, that we're together in this and unity is of absolute, essentially important. Psalm 133 says this, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It's as if, it is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. And there's this sense of unity in this psalm, brings refreshment. Oil was, a, was a, a bit of a demonstration of a beautiful fragrance poured out. And that's a demonstration, a pointer of what union, unity looks like. And so therefore, when Paul points out the divisions, and even worse, the divisions in, when they were taking communion, it's, it's devastating. 1 Corinthians 11, 17 to 20 says this, In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you, and to some extent I believe it. No doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. So then, when you come together, it is not the Lord's Supper you eat. There's drunkenness, there's division. And the church at Corinth, for at least some aspects of it, are abusing what Jesus set out to be this unifying moment. It was a complete mess. They totally made a right mess of the whole thing, what it should be. What should be an intimate, awe-filled time had become self-indulgent and full of division. The rich here, the poor there. I was thinking about this, and I thought, well, I don't, you know, we're... Anyway, I was thinking about this, right, and I thought, what would happen if half a dozen Premier League footballers come in here and we shared communion? It would be a terrible thing, wouldn't it, if we had a special, what do they call it, the green room area in that corner for those and uh, their entourage. We're the family of God, and we do this together. So it's no surprise, when you see the significance of this, the importance of communion, that many are weak and have become ill, and a number have died. Fallen asleep means died. That's how serious it is. That's how important it is. And we approach it with that sense of awe. God is in this place. And we live in a very individualistic society, polarised in loads and loads of ways. But the church is different. There's a sense of unity together. So as we celebrate communion together, we're undoing individuality. That is why the one loaf and the one cup has significance. And, you know, as we do that, there's a sense of we're one together. And as we do that, maybe we can express that more. Again, there are challenges around this, but as we take a good bit of bread and and a big swig is not the right word, but you know what I mean, you know, we're a healthy amount of juice or wine if it's appropriate in your home or something. And a hug. We're together. We're family. Whatever our background, whatever our culture, we're one. 
We need to exercise wisdom, obviously, around the whole, you know, COVID and all things like that. But another part of uh, communion is thanksgiving. 11.24 says this, And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So this is a meal of thanksgiving. God is giving to us. All that we have is a gift from God. God gives to us, and we're the recipients. It's him giving to us. Joe touched on the Reformation, and uh, I'm not a scholar who could tell you too much about the Reformation, but you've probably heard of it. Maybe you have anyway. But at that, before the Reformation, what would happen is the priest would take the bread and break it, but he would turn away from the people and face like an altar, and as if this is our sacrifice to God. But it's the opposite. After the Reformation, it was, no, this is... This is God giving to us as the priest would break the bread and give it to the people of God. And it's really clear making that point, this offering is, is from God to us. It's God's offering and God's sacrifice to us. So that's what's happened from this time on. Declaring it's from God, it's his gift to us and we thank him. And we thank from a grateful heart, his sacrifice, my communion with Jesus, my communion with the family of God. We come and give thanks to him for that. We, we delight in Jesus, and we'll come on to this in one of the points in a moment. He's coming again, and that my life is hidden in Christ, so we thank him. And as we dwell on, dwell on our thanking him, it can cause us to a, a welling up within us, to sing for joy for what he's done. It's like an overflow of, of gratefulness, of thankfulness towards God for what he's done. So communion, part of it is our thanksgiving. And it's also a celebration. I think this is where it sometimes can get lost. Like I said, my experience, it sort of come and went most times, communion. But this can be a real celebration. And, and this is where we can possibly miss out a little bit or maybe maybe it's just me but I think I have anyway it's closely linked to thanksgiving but it's much more it's pushing further into what this means Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples to celebrate can be expressive even noisy When Jesus died, all the promises of God were purchased for us. Paul writes, all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. Every gift of God and all our joyful communion with God was obtained by Jesus. In communion, we feast spiritually by faith on every spiritual blessing by the body and blood of Jesus. We've much to celebrate much to rejoice in. In celebrating, there's this overflow, there's a joy, and it's a joy to be shared. Most of us do know what it means to celebrate. It could be at a concert, it might be a sporting occasion, a party, New Year's Eve, that sort of thing. And of course, there's nothing wrong with that. But we know they're just temporary, those things. How much more there is to celebrate in Jesus. Communion meal is to be celebrated. 
So we can celebrate communion when you have friends around for a meal, celebrate in life groups, have bigger chunks of bread, take a real good mouthful of the, of the wine. We're enacting the blessing of God on our lives. This physical act declares this. 1 Corinthians 11:26 says this, For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So in communion, there's also proclamation. There's a looking back to Jesus' death. Yes, we proclaim his death to one another and to a needy world. Jesus died on the cross to take away the sin of the world. He died so that you and I don't have to. Every time I come to receive and take communion, I'm reminded of this truth. And I'm declaring this truth to you and others. The biggest event in history, Jesus' death. Those of us who believe on Jesus and follow him have eternal life. That's the proclamation. And it's a proclamation to those who don't know Jesus. And I love the simplicity of the gospel. Today, if you know that you don't know Jesus, you feel on the outside, that can change. That can change today, this morning. There's an invitation for you. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In other words, do you believe? Are you coming to that place of putting your trust and surrendering to Jesus? Do you want to follow him? Then today, by faith, you can join in. You can come and take communion. And if that's you, you can do that for the first time today. And someone here will help you talk to someone before you do that and just to help you what that all means. There's this looking forward, proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. Jesus is returning. As we partake in this meal, we are reminding ourselves he will return. Our hope is not on some add-on to life, being part of this community because they're nice people or we're nice people. It's not a self-help thing. It's not a lifestyle that gives us a little bit of comfort on a Sunday morning or some other point in the week. That would be missing the mark by so much. We're declaring he will return, a promise of a day to come. Jesus will return. And as we celebrate communion, it's not only proclaiming that he's going to return, we're also doing this with real anticipation. We look forward to the in our proclamation, but also with anticipation. Whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, difficulties, challenges, or flourishing, in faith we celebrate this communion with an anticipation of what is to come. Jesus' return in the knowledge that we're going to know Jesus in the fullest measure. A place of no sadness, a place of no tears, a place of total peace and total joy. Anticipation of that moment, it's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to be there. There's a, there's a lot of stuff in the Bible about feasting and food. And this is what it says in Revelation 19, 6-9. 
Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters and like peals of thunder, shouting, Hallelujah! For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given for her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. Then the angel said to me, Write this, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added these words, these are the true words of God. There's this anticipation of what's to come. Invited in the, the, the marriage supper. Wow, what, an, what a moment that's going to be. Full of joy. And it talks about all glory going to God. And, and we know about something of the glory of God. But sometimes we, we take a little bit for ourselves. Or someone might take a little bit for themselves. This will be in its perfect measure as we see the glory of God and understand it in its fullest way. The most complete manner. The marriage supper of the Lamb depicts the intimate and everlasting fellowship and communion with Jesus. It's no wonder that Paul is troubled by the way the church at Corinth celebrated this event ordained by Jesus. Communion is awe-filled. God is amongst us. Paul tells us to take it seriously. So as we come to the last, last point, Paul instructs us to examine ourselves. 1 Corinthians 11, 27 to 30 says this, So then whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and ill, and a number of you have fallen asleep. So we come to the communion table with care. It's not a call to say, well, I'm better than you, or I'm self-righteous. It's not that at all. It's a sustaining meal for repentant sinners who are hungry for more of Jesus. Self-examination is really direct at excluding those who don't care, who take it without a thought, who are pretty, you know, steeped in their troubles, if you like. Don't care if they're, they're full of sin. It's an, an unrepentant heart that this is really directed at. So this is serious but joyful. And unity is so important, as, as we read earlier. So if you have an issue with someone, a brother or sister in Christ, then we, we're told to sort this out before we take communion. Because we're part of the bride of Christ. It's significant. It's important. I think it's easy to sweep under the carpet long-term grudges. Or I... Well, I just don't get on with that person, so I don't speak them, speak to them. And when you're in a crowd of this size, I guess we could do that week by week by week. Well, they upset me one year ago, two years ago, and I can they sit that side, I sit that side, and it's quite 
able, you're quite able, or we could be quite able to avoid that. We need to deal with any disunity, any grudges, anything that we know is not quite right. Confess our sin. Put things right. Deal with any disunity as far as is possible for yourself. And so this is an important moment. And it's not something that's like navel-gazing, trying to think, what are the, I'm a terrible person. No, it's just making sure we're right before God before we take communion. And, and we're going to take communion in, in, a, in a moment or two. And what I, I think I've often come to communion with low-ish expectations. That this is something I do, and I come, and I remember what Jesus has done. But there is so much more. I don't, or I haven't expected loads, so I haven't necessarily expected loads. But we're coming before God. We're coming to participate and experience Jesus in this moment. I want us to come with fresh expectation of what this is going to be for us. Not just today, not just as a one-off, but a sense of every time I'm in the presence of God and I'm going to enjoy Jesus and I'm going to encounter Jesus in this moment. There's four tables with um, the juice and the bread. And I'd love you right now um, Toby and the band, if you could come back up, that would be brilliant. And I think there is something really important about taking communion together. We did that last week, and, um, and I want us to do that again this week. So there's four places, four tables for the, the bread and the juice. What one's the gluten-free? Is it uh, The gluten-free is over in that, my left, your right, far corner. So if that's what you need, please go there. But as the band play, why don't we go up, go and get the the bread and the juice and come back and we'll stand and and I'm going to lead us through this and then we're going to worship. If you're able to stand, I'd love you to stand. We're now going to celebrate communion together, family of God. So let's take the bread and eat the bread, his body given for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. take the juice his blood shed for us Lord we come with we come with grateful hearts this morning we come and give thanks to you God for all that you have done thank you Jesus thank you that we're brought near by your blood We thank you for our salvation, what you've done, what you accomplished for us. We thank you for our communion with you, Jesus, that we're in you. We participate in 
your life. Will you come now, Holy Spirit, amongst us? Lord, we do want all that you've got for us in this moment. Lord, we, we take it seriously. We, we want to encounter you. We want more of you, God. Come amongst us, Lord. Our hope is in you. Nothing else satisfies like you. We, we're nourished by you this morning, Lord, as we come and, and share and celebrate communion. What you've done for us, we come and thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Let's, let's come and worship Jesus. Let's celebrate Jesus for all that he's done for us.